You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Monday, 14 November, Purple Results Day. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, chatting with Nick Kunzer from Sunlum Private Wealth. Those Fashini Group results, and we're touching some round strength as well. Steve Benny from SAPI on results debt at 20-year lows. And Kari Meering from uh, Cliff Decker Hofmeyer, uh, she's an associate there. Crypto assets, and so they, 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 why they play such a big role in the grey listing status. And after what's happened with FTX over the the last week kind of makes sense. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Engineering body issues dire warning over collapsing public infrastructure. We chatted with them about a month or so ago. And it is, I mean, there's issues around just stuff not happening. I mean, the, the government just not doing the infrastructure spend. Business Day EOH says 177 million settlement will not be a shock to its balance sheet. Uh, and that as it announces that it is doing a rights issue, but hasn't given the prices of that rights issue yet. Morning market. Uh, US was green, S&P up 0.9, Nasdaq up 1.8%. Asia is red with Sydney down a couple of points and Tokyo off three quarters of a percent. Commodities mostly green overnight. Gold, 1,769. Brent, 9653. Platinum, the only red at 1,039 dollars an ounce. And palladium, 2,020. Uh, Rand, 1727. Bitcoin, 16,110. Ten cent is up 2.9%. In the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40 looking for a green open. About 750 points. That's 1.1%. Moneyweb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Joining now with Nick Kunza, Sunlam Private Wealth. Nick, appreciate, as always, early morning. Uh, looking at those Fashini, the Fashini Group results, still some base effects. And I was looking at it compared to September 2019. Look at HEPs, they were 464 in 2019, 5.26. Uh, dividend well down as well. Y- your take, the market didn't seem massively in love with those numbers. Yeah, morning, Simon. Um, I thought that... Hey, but as you said, the base effect, if you had to do compare them to sort of mm. the pre-COVID, which most of us are having to do these days, uh, it's still lagging a little bit behind, whereas some of the other industries, I mean, the airline industry, just first thought is, is, is above where it was. So I think it's a little bit of catch-up, but, you know, Fashini itself, I don't think it was, was overly bad. I thought the, the online um, sort of retail turnover, which they mentioned and highlighted in the, in the earnings, was was quite encouraging. Uh, and, I, and I think a little bit of left field, um, you know, online in Africa was very encouraging. Small portion uh, mm-hmm. to be granted of the overall profit, but massive jump, almost twenty percent up. So I think they're moving in the right direction. And then I guess I guess the price action on the day was uh, a little bit of bother room sell the news, but I was quite encouraged by them personally. And I take your point about the, the, the online. I mean, online is, is still mm. tiny for them, particularly into Africa. But I mean, it broadly is going to be the future, whether it's five, ten, or twenty years time. This is how much of the shopping is going to happen, even in fashion. Well, very much, not just even in fashion, so I mean, very much in fashion. I mean, if you look at what's happening uh, abroad and uh, the Chinese uh, giant shine springs to mind uh, in, right, in that yeah. sort of retail space, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's where things are going. And I think I think it's going I think it's going in the right direction. I think that the, the platform is going to be is well received. Uh, it puts that platform they've launched has got about 200 odd brands available on it. 
Uh, and it's certainly it's it's one of the bigger ones in SA and one of the bigger ones on the continent. So once again, I think uh, if you're a shareholder, don't be too disappointed. I think uh, overall the, the strategy is in the right direction. Uh, let's touch on the czar. We saw that USCPR mm. on Thursday. Market. I mean, when I say I loved it, I'm I, I'm underestimating. I mean, it was it was an insane <laughs> US day on Thursday. We, of course, we're seeing rand strength. I mean, that is basically the world saying, well, US inflation is 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 over and we put that in inverted <coughs> commas then uh you know suddenly money starts moving out we see some dollar weakness all flowing into the rand mm. is that i mean is that a fair assessment is it likely to continue i mean we had 1730 as we chat yes it's it's uh, <laughs> i, I want to say too much in a hex ourselves before two months to year end but uh, there are a number of as an investor or a trader, as someone who's in the market, um, and the number of risks I think personally are, are leaning a little bit more to missing out now on the outside. You know, it's been a tumultuous year. We all know mm-hmm. exactly what's mm-hmm. happened this year. But now with uh, two odd months to go, there's a few things that could r- come right. And, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine could get a little bit of a peace deal. There are murmurings of that. That's positive. Uh, China is talking about reopening. That is a positive. And the other one, of course, is, is inflation. It's all we've spoken about the last six months is inflation. Um, And if we start seeing that rollover, which you've alluded to, it's looking like it certainly is – and, of course, uh, our local, don't underestimate uh, the fact that the medium-term budget was very well received. Uh, you know, we still got a little bit of a commodity tailwind, as you pointed out. Um, all of these things together equate to, to a stronger rand. So, yeah, I mean, are you going to Margate or Paris in Christmas time, Simon? I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> uh, if the rand, if we get a continue these good news, I think the rand will definitely sort of breach that um, that 70 level. And on, on top of that as well, let's talk about a quick mention of the bonds. I mean, bonds yeah, could, yeah. SA 10 year under 10% uh, in the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to Margate, but anyway, I take your point. It'll still be, it'll, it'll be nice to have a little bit of a year in rally. I'm actually looking at the J200 chart, the top 40. It is looking, uh, it's it, it's looking decent. We could have a green year, and that is not something we expected during most of the year. Nikunza, Sunlam, Private Wealth, always appreciate the early morning. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlip Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlip.com forward slash more. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Steve Binney, SAPI CEO. Results for the full year and fourth quarter, uh, ending September uh, 2022. Um, the big deal, Stephen, let's start with this. Net debt down 40% to its lowest in 20 years. It's sitting at, what, $1.16 billion. Uh, to be frank, over the last 20 or so years I've been covering SAPI, debt's always been a problem. You've fundamentally got this under control. And in fact, you want to get it a little bit lower still. That's right. It's uh, it's been a challenge for a number of years. We we, we inherited that, um, mm-hmm. but what, what what has happened in, in in recent times? We we brought out our Thrive Twenty Five strategy about two years ago, and we set ourselves a target of significantly reducing debt. Interestingly enough, if if you went back eighteen months, we've we've actually halved our debt. Um, and as you say, we've now set our target of getting it to a billion or under, and uh, we're we're very confident of achieving that. And it. It's a very important um, milestone for us because it puts us in a much stronger position um, and, and gives us more flexibility as, as we move ahead with the, the opportunities and challenges that are out there. 
Yeah, I mean, as witnessed by the first dividend since uh, the 2018 September year end. You, 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 the other big thing which really comes through in these numbers, I mean, the strong demand, your implementation, you've got higher prices coming through to offset rising costs. You, you've really been able to, to manage what I, 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 couldn't have been an easy uh, uh, 12 months. Indeed, there are many challenges, as you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we've had the, the macroeconomic challenges, rising costs, We've had the ongoing impact of COVID, particularly in China, and now the war in Ukraine, and all the all the challenges that that brings. And you know, we had to be bold, and 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 we knew that the costs were rising. Um, we we've been undertaking a path for a number of years to reduce our exposure to 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 graphic paper and move into packaging grids, and and that's really paid off for us. And what we we also benefited from the fact that. Uh, uh, a lot of capacity came out of the marketplace. Supply chain challenges worked in our favour as well in, in some in some markets. So we were pretty bold, and 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 what we strived to do was put through higher selling prices to offset the costs, and and we were able to deliver higher margins. And um, you know there was obviously a strong uh, bounce post COVID in terms of demand for our products, and then the the macro trend of replacing plastics with paper for for, for, for packaging solutions has created a wonderful opportunity for us. It absolutely has, and, and but it's more than just because some of the listeners might be thinking packaging, and they might be thinking a take-a-lot box, for example. But when I order a high-end, well, I mean, a cell phone, even frankly a mid-end cell phone, they come in in beautiful packaging. Uh, you know, the boxes are exquisite; they they well put together, good quality. I mean, this is the sort of space you're operating in. That's right. Uh, we, 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 we do sell brown packaging in sure. South Africa for the, for the fruit exports. But, but broadly, when I'm talking about packaging, uh, particularly overseas, it's, it's coated packaging. And yeah. it's, it's really taking our knowledge in the, in the coated space, which traditionally came from magazines and brochures and the likes, and now applying that to, to, to packaging. So we're in high-end space. It's, as you say, electronic goods. We're in um, high-end uh, cosmetic products, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. consumer goods, and, and and so on, and a lot of these, a lot of the big retailers, the big brand owners, are now striving to have a, a more sustainable, greener solution, and they're wanting to re- to replace uh, plastic with 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 uh, solutions. The the, the, high, the better pricing that you've seen, and, and just to give the listeners an example, I'm using Europe here, it's your biggest region. Your, your sales for September quarter this year, same as last year, 757 tons, um, but revenue coming in at, what, 982 million euros, as opposed to 589 million euro. Can the, is pricing going to hold? I mean, you mentioned there were some 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 sort of external issues. Will, it, will, will some of your pricing soften in the year ahead? Firstly, yeah, you're right that the prices have risen dramatically, and 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 we had to do it because that's what the, the way that our costs uh, mm. our, our costs had gone up. Um, look, at the moment we're we're trying to hold on to those prices, and um, you know I, I I'm confident in the short term that we can we can maintain those levels, but obviously you know uh, energy prices should start to come back down and. The prices of a lot of the chemicals that we use in the manufacturing process will come back a little bit. So I'm sure in time prices will come under pressure. But at the moment, we're not seeing that and prices are holding. Reading between what you're saying there is prices might come down a bit, but your input costs might also come down a bit. You mentioned energy, you mentioned chemicals. That's right. And and, and that's why, you know, we, we, we will firmly hold on to, to our selling prices because that's what the, the costs the costs dictate to us. So, um, sure, if, if, if costs start to come down, then then there will be pressure. But at the moment, that's been a, that's that's not happening because 
you know, natural gas prices in Europe, energy prices globally, mm. um, the various commodities that we use, all, all of them are still at very elevated levels. So it's, a, it's very important that we, we, we strive to hold on to the selling prices. How much is energy a significant input in your cost structure? And I'm thinking here, Europe, with the, the, the energy crisis that they're experiencing there, which your largest region. That's right. Um, of our, um, of our, uh, we have fixed costs, um, mm-hmm. which is essentially um, salaries and, and the likes, and then we have variable costs, our manufacturing costs, and and, that, and that's roughly split two thirds variable costs, one third uh, fixed costs. Of the two thirds that are variable costs, about uh, just under a quarter of that relates to energy. Okay, I would have thought maybe a larger number. We'll leave it there. Uh, Steve Benny, SAPI mm. CEO, talking uh, fourth quarter and year-end results to end September. And that is our poll today. We're looking at SAPI. I've got to say, really good numbers. And as I said in the, the, the top of that interview, for 20 years, debt has been a problem. Suddenly, it's not. Question, SAPI versus Mondi. I just posted the chart on, on, on Twitter. You can go have a look and have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Turning now with Cara Meering, a Cliff Decker Hofmeyer Associate. Cara, appreciate the early morning time. We, we scheduled this interview before crypto went all crazy with, with FTX and the like, but you're making a, a, a point in a, in a note you put out around crypto assets actually playing a, a significant role in, in, in grey listing status and, and hence the, 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 the announcement by the FSCA last month around crypto actually could be helping us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the main reasons um, that the announcement came when it did was because the FATS, so that's the Financial Action Task Force, mm. gave South Africa essentially until October of this year to um, you know align some of its some of the issues that it's had with the recommendations that the task force gave us in October of last year. And the cutoff date was October of this year, and that's exactly when the FATA declaration came out. So I definitely think it has. Well, hopefully it will play a big role in making sure that we don't get onto that gray list in February of next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I can see the, the 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 concerns around crypto, and this doesn't necessarily you know, make make some of the issues, and it wouldn't have solved. I mean, you know, FTX and the like. But what it does do is it is it is it, is it brings it into the sort of the formal structures of of financial services, which is so hugely important. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think. Well, so there's a lot of similar companies to FTX in South Africa who are also not necessarily an exchange in the South, but some of them are. So, for example, um, Luna, and we definitely don't want something like what happened to FTX to happen to Luna. And I think this declaration definitely plays a big role in ensuring that, you know, there are these regulatory measures in place to ensure that there's at least some form of compliance um, with the Financial Advisory and Intermediary Services Act. 
And, and, and this would then suggest, and, and, and I, I'm not sure that anyone was suggesting otherwise, but it does give us clear indication that that, that government, you know, th- there might be an argument that perhaps government's moving a little slowly, but government is moving. And broadly, I mean, the, the, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority is an arm of government in many senses. We are moving forward. We are, we are, we are, we are paving the way to, uh, uh, as best we can, avoid that potential uh, uh, grey listing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think government realises how well, the drastic impact it will have if we do end up on that grey list. If you look at um, you know, some research done by the IMS, they say typically countries who end up on the grey list, um, you know, their GDP exports decline by 7%, mm-hmm. their um, foreign direct investment declines by 3%. You know, those are the kinds of consequences that we definitely want to avoid. And I think the government... You know, it's taken that very seriously, and that's one of the reasons that they, you know, took the steps that they did. Broadly, how, if we look at South Africa and our, and, and, and our sort of how we deal with crypto, how far are we behind the developed market? Because my sense is it's a bit it's a bit hodgepodge depending on on, mm-hmm. on, on the market. But I mean, are we sort of up there with the, 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 the DMs in terms of, of dealing with crypto assets? So, I mean, I think we're not quite there yet. I think mm-hmm. the position that government has taken is more a reactionary one rather than a proactive one. Um, so we've seen, for example, in England, they've been making legislation for years now, um, regulating different crypto assets, um, talking about how we should define a crypto asset. Is it, you know, is it property? Is it currency? Mm. Is it, so I think definitely South Africa is, a, is slightly behind. But if you compare us to a few other developed countries, we're again perhaps a bit ahead. So I don't think we're too far behind, but I do think taking a proactive stance as opposed to this kind of reactionary measures that we've seen from government would probably be a better approach. One of the the, the other big parts of, of crypto, and, and particularly sort of late last year, early this year, was NFTs, non-fungible tokens. They've it, that, that's the space that certainly, in terms of looking at, at at sales at places like OpenSea, is has has you know, down ninety percent from from the beginning of of, of the year. Um, but but does this also have implications for NFTs, which are by definition a crypto asset? Yeah. So I mean, for various reasons. The declaration has decided to exclude NFTs from the definition of financial products. Mm-hmm. The reason given by um, the FSCA in their like policy document is essentially that they don't think in the South African market NFTs are you know very big yet. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of activity going on there, and therefore they didn't think that it was necessary to regulate it. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that that's the best approach to have taken. I think NFTs are an exploding market, so it definitely. I mean the the value of individual NFTs have gone down significantly since the beginning because in the beginning it was this exciting, novel idea. Mm. And I think the market's done what it always does, which is, you know, regulate the price to a point where it is what the price should actually be for NFTs. But I would definitely say there is movement in the South African economy where we've seen companies moving towards NFTs. For example, um, I think there's a development in apartment block in Cape Town now that kind of came out and said, well, you know, you can buy these properties through the NFT system and they're going to try and cut out intermediaries like the deeds office. So I think we'll have to see, you know, how that's going to practically play out. But there definitely is movement in the market towards using more NFTs. So I would think that at some point, either they would need to uplift that exemption and say, well, now actually the declaration applies to NFTs, or they would need to make separate uh, regulations that specifically apply to NFTs. Now, I take your point. And, and soon that's going to have to happen. I mean, NFTs are, are, are here to stay. Um, uh, we, we can't just ignore them. We'll leave that there. Uh, Cara Meering, Cliff Decker, Hoffmeyer Associate. Appreciate the early morning.
That's it for today. On Friday, we were chatting with Jimmy Moyoha. We were talking U.S. inflation for October. Uh, and the question we asked you is, is inflation over in the U.S.? Half of you, almost half of you, said, nope, still lots of risks. I take your point. Still lots of risks out there. 40%, however, were saying, yep, it looks like it's done, but a long road to go. I think that's where my vote went. A tenth of you said, yep, absolutely, it's done. It's all party time. And man, that's what the U.S. markets did on Thursday evening. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWare website and the app 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobokle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. We've got Charles Savage. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.